Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning. Hey, whether you're here in the room or joining us online, we're so glad that you are. Question for you. Yesterday, uh, Claire and I took the boys to see uh, the classic film that'll no doubt uh, win an Oscar. We saw Super Pets. um, And for sure gonna go down in history with so many classic films. Um, But it got me thinking, if you could have any superpower what would you want it to be? Raise a hand, I'll point to you. What would you want your superpower? Yes, you. To seek God. That, that's the, the, he, Jesus juked us on the superpower. I like that, he wants to seek God. That is the best answer. And uh, that is the best answer. And, and, but let's have others. Some other superpowers. Yes, you in the back there. Invisibility. That, who wouldn't want some invisibility? In the back, Dylan, I see you. Electricity? Like go to electrocute folks? Uh, yes, you. Mind reading. That is, okay, so that is, that is where I was gonna have us land. You stay second service and, and I'm gonna point to you when to say that one, okay? All right, yes. To bring my imagination to life. One last one. To get your kids, yes, who all's in on that? Get your kids to listen. The super, a superpower I have wished I had is uh, that whenever someone in my family is being difficult that I could just like touch them and they go to sleep for 10 hours, wake up happy with no memory of uh, the previous encounter. But the, my, how many of you, if you had this ability, would, would you want, now obviously you wouldn't want to be able to read, uh, if you were able to read minds, as, as David helped us with, um, if, if you could read people's minds. Now obviously, you don't want a situation where you're constantly reading everyone's mind, that would be too much. But if you could just choose to read people's minds when you wanted to, how, how many of you would, would want that superpower, being able to, to read minds? Some of you are like, oh no, that feels nosy, I don't feel, but the honest people are like, yes, I'd like that ability. Now let me ask you this question, okay? So, so raise your hand again. If you're in on the, you'd like to be able to read some minds sometimes, raise your hand, all high and proud, no shame. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, okay? Keep your hand up if you still choose that superpower that you can read anybody's mind that you want to whenever you choose to, but someone that is the closest to you can always read yours. Do you still want it? So some people are like, hey, you know what? I'd still choose it. Um, uh, and so t- we're kicking off a series today uh, calling, called Mind Games. We're gonna be talking about the power of our thoughts. Depending on the study that you read, each person has somewhere between 6,000 thoughts all the way up to 70,000 thoughts in a day. I read in psychology today that 80% of our thoughts are somewhat negative, 95% of our thoughts are um, repetitive, and sometimes we have thoughts that are just weird. You're like, where did that come from? Why am I thinking that? Like sometimes I'll just be walking in the grocery store and I'll just see someone's face and I'll just think, they have sort of a horse face. And... uh, now I don't say, but you ever have thoughts like that? Hey, they, that person looks kind of like a lion. Anyone ever have these thoughts? And thank you for the six honest people at Life Church and the judgy folks are all concerned about me. Hey, this isn't the place for judgy folks. And so, uh, 
And I, I think the last couple of years, there we've, we've had, I mean, this is something that we wrestle with all the time, but I do think the last two or three years, it's probably been even more intense. So many thoughts having to do with fear and anxiety and anger. Do you ever look back and just reflect on your earliest COVID thoughts and your earliest COVID instincts. I remember we were a couple of months into COVID, sort of at the moment where there was like the peak of COVID panic, yet COVID really hadn't really come to Washoe County in great numbers yet. And I just remember there was a few weeks there where every time I would walk by the hand sanitizer, I'm like, I'm just gonna go ahead and get some. And it's been 30 minutes since the last time I did it, and I'm gonna go ahead and get some. And, and then 30 minutes later, and, and all that happened is my hands got chapped. That's how that went down for me. We were having a meeting with some leaders at Life Church. We were gonna meet at my house on my patio. And so we were like, hey, we're sick of doing Zoom. And we're like, all right, we're gonna meet outside and we're gonna all be six feet apart. We're gonna spread out big time six feet apart. We're all gonna be outside. And, and this one guy that was coming to the meeting says, hey, the only way that, that my, life, my wife will let me come to this meeting is if I bring my own patio chair because we think that we might get COVID from your patio chair. I mean, those were the sorts of weird thoughts we were all having in those earliest moments. And, and, and then even as that season progressed, social media got weirder and weirder to where I was just sort of finding myself having angry thoughts at, at so many people so much. And then, but even now I find myself, as I reflect on the last two and a half years, still having thoughts that aren't helpful. I'll have these thoughts like, is, is with, whether it's because of supply chain or because of inflation. I was at a hotel the other day and they're like, oh, hey, you know, well, because of COVID, you know, we're not cleaning your rooms every day. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Clean my room. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's the, laugh with me, folks. I'm not, and, uh, it's, uh, but it is like this. Will the world ever get normal again? And now we've got inflation and then recession coming. And it's just been such a time where all of us have been wrestling with, dealing with thoughts that at the end of the day aren't helpful. All of us have some thoughts that are not good for us. Whether those are fearful or anxious thoughts, whether those are lustful thoughts, whether that's lusting after people or lusting after things and money and possessions, whether those are angry thoughts, negative thoughts, where you just sort of look at everything through this lens of, of everything is, is worse than it is in, in actuality, entitled thoughts, those kind of thoughts where we just think, I deserve better than this. I, whenever I'm around someone in my family that says, well, I just feel like I deserve better. And then I just say, well, it seems like the Bible says you deserve a lake of fire, actually. <laughs> and anything else is grace. Um, people love it when you say that to them. They're like, oh, dad, thank you, that's helpful. Um, but we're gonna talk the next few weeks about our thoughts. And so if you have your Bibles, go over to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four and verse 23 says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from. And I wanna just take a minute and nerd out on that word heart here for you. Now, in our context, we, we create this giant distinction between my mind and my heart, between my, my reasoning and my emotions and my feelings. 
And, and that's, that's the way we, in, in our culture, context, and in our language, we see this significant distinction. In fact, I've even heard preachers say, uh, you can miss heaven and go to hell by 18 inches between your head and your heart. And, and, and there's a sense in which I get what they're saying. What they're saying is, is following Jesus is more than simple uh, mental ascent and ascending that, that something is true, that Jesus is God. And he said, because like, Bible tells us even the demons believe it is more than just simply just a I check, I believe that. It's, it's more of a I am fully trusting and going all in and depending on Jesus. I'm fully devoting myself to him. It's, but, but this idea that there is this full distinction between my head, my reasoning, and my heart, the center of my emotions. This is, is, a, is a, a concept that is ours, but it is not near as clear as that in the Bible. And, and so let me just show you a couple of, uh, let me just, and so the Hebrew word for heart, let me just show it to you. This word leb, and, and it means, so it says it can be heart. Now here's the fact, I am not a Hebrew scholar. It took me a third pass in Bible college to pass Hebrew. I remember almost no Hebrew, but I had this really great software that helps me know all the things. Didn't need to go to Bible college or seminary, apparently. <laughs> heart, it can, it can be translated heart, one's inner self, one's inclination, and then uh, another Bible dictionary, Brown Driver Briggs, says inner man, mind, will, heart. We see this other one, Chalet. Heart, mind, character, disposition, inclination, another Hebrew dictionary, heart, chest, uh, an inner mind, the New American Standard Bible Dictionary, inner man, mind, will, heart. And then in Greek, the word cardia, where we get our word cardiology, and so as you look in New Testament, it's gonna be Greek. If it's Old Testament, it's gonna be Hebrew. Throw up that Greek one there for, uh, for cardia, heart, heart, inner self, mind. And then you look at the Greek English Dictionary, New Testament, heart, inner self, mind, will, desire, intention. So I want us to understand that when, when we see heart, it's, it is, we can, or we see mind, we can really, in both occasions, think this is the entirety of my inner self, my inner man, my inner woman, that, that while there can be places where the writers of Scripture are speaking more about our reasoning, and there can be times where it's speaking more uh, about our emotions, there, it's not the clear distinctive that we would think of when we think of the difference between heart and mind. In both occasions, it, we're thinking uh, in terms of our, our inner man, the center of who we are on the inside. And so the writer of the Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else. Guard your mind above all else. Guard your inner life above all else. Why? For it, um, for everything you do flows from it. So if you, your first truth is this, nothing matters more than our thoughts. Nothing matters more than our thoughts. My thoughts define me. Proverbs 23, seven in the King James Version and, and also in the New King, King James Version says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And our thoughts are really are, this what's our inner self, uh, what's going on on the inside of us. They really do define who we are. Our thoughts define us and, and our thoughts direct us. I like how the New Living Translation does, does Proverbs 4, 23. It says, guard your heart 
above all else. So guard your inner self, guard your mind, guard your thoughts. He says, guard your heart above all else, why? For it determines the course of your life. Where I am today is determined by yesterday's thoughts. Where I am tomorrow will be determined by today's thoughts. And so, so my thoughts both define my life, my thoughts direct my life. There's nothing more important in my life than what's going on in my inner person, my, my thought life, my mind, my, my will. Jenny Allen in her book, uh, Get Out of Your Head, said it this way. The greatest spiritual battle of our generation is being fought between our ears. What we believe and what we think about matters, and the enemy knows it. And he is determined to get in your head to distract you from doing good and to sink you so deep that you feel helpless, overwhelmed, shut down, and incapable of rising to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So the first truth is there's nothing more important than what I think about, than my thoughts. Here's the second truth. We believe far more lies than we ever tell. You know, I think growing up, we're taught the, the worst thing you can do is tell a lie, and it is absolutely, we're very clear with that with our kids, the worst thing you can do in our relationship is to lie to us. But the, the lies we tell are a result of the lies we believe. J Jesus in John 8 said it this way. He said, you belong to your father, the devil. Jesus was looking to make a lot of friends that day. People love it. If in your sermon you just look at him and say, you belong to your father. And they're thinking, oh, Abraham, yes, 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 that's us. No, the devil. People love that. <laughs> you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Why? For there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language. That's why it's such a big deal when we lie. Just like we talk about life church, there's things that we do where we are showing the character of Christ. When we give, when we forgive, when we serve, we are, we are modelings, we are living out the character of Christ. When we lie, we're living out the character of the devil. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, and the father of lies. See, Jesus tells us in John 10 that, that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants, he hates you. He, he, he wants to, to, to steal all the good things from you. He wants to, to kill you and to kill your fruitfulness. He wants to destroy your life. And his biggest weapon is lying to you. It's his go-to move, is the lie, that the lies that we begin to believe inside of our heads. And once the devil can deceive you, he is now winning in your life. He's now got the advantage. That is his end game, is to lie to you so that he can steal everything good from you, that he can ultimately kill you and destroy your life. That's his end game, and his primary weapon is lies. So, so most of us believe far more lies than we will ever tell. See, every area of sin in your life, if you think about the sin that you commit most frequently, the sin that you most wish that you could stop doing, 
Every, every area of brokenness in your life, that thing in your life that you just would do anything for it to, to be different, this habit that you have, whatever it is, every area of sin and brokenness in your life is rooted in wrong thoughts and wrong beliefs. Every, every lie, so, so every sin, and every area of, of, of bad habit, everything you would wish that was different about how, how you're living is rooted in, in, in subtly or consciously believing something that's not true. And the ultimate root of these lies and deceptions and false beliefs, the ultimate root of this is the devil, the father of all of the lies. And, and so here's, here's the thing. The, the thing about our beliefs is even wrong beliefs end up affecting how we behave. And can you think of a time in your life where, where you were just believing something, you believed something to be true, began acting as if it were true, only to find out that it is not true. Uh, I was re reading a, a book by Rick Warren and he was talking about how, how if you're camping in the mountains and you believe that, you, that a mountain lion, or in our context, it could be mountain lion or a bear. Have you ever had that moment where you're in a tent and, and you're pretty sure that there is a bear right outside? Have you ever had that moment? And in that moment, you're plotting out, like how are we, are we gonna play dead? Or are we gonna try to fight the bear? Or are we gonna try to outrun the slowest person in our group? <laughs> We've got options. And you're kind of just thinking all of your like, how do I, how's this going down? And, 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 then, and then you discover, no, it's just some kids from the campsite next door. But in that moment, that false belief that, that belief that there's this mountain lion right here, this bear right here, it, the adrenaline spikes as if it was real. The, the, the plans for action spike because as if it was real, all of the fear and anxiety as it was, is as if it's real, but then you find out, oh, it wasn't real at all. And I believe there's so many things in our life where we're believing things that are not true, but they're causing us to live as if they are. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, verse three, Paul says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How does the world wage war? It's a, it's a long list, but it, invo it involves a lot of anger, a lot of fear, a lot, a lot of believing the worst, saying the worst. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, they, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. When the Bible talks about a stronghold, this trans translated from this Greek word akirama, which means to fortify. Have you ever been visiting a place, a foreign country, usually a place that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and you, and you see a, a really old giant fort. And oftentimes they're at the top of a, a big cliff, the biggest cliff along the coast. And, and, and there are these incredibly thick walls that can be 20 feet deep because they were designed to, to protect, to fortify, to keep inside the, whatever one was trying to protect in a time of war. That's this idea, this giant reinforced fortress that's designed to keep what's inside, inside. And, and, and so what Paul says is we have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, strongholds are areas and where I usually 
believe the enemy's lies in my life to where these lies and the associated behaviors that, that follow these lies gain a position of power in my life. So uh, that a stronghold, so we would think of it as, as this, this, ha- this bad habit that I just can't break or this bad thought pattern that I just can't break. And well, the Bible word for that is a stronghold. It's this area in our lives where we've gotten into this, this rep- repetitious pattern of believing the enemy's lies. And, and so now both those lies and the associated patterns of behavior that follow begin to, I begin to feel stuck with them. They begin to have this position position of power, like it's something inside of a fortress inside of my life. But, but Paul says, but it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We, we have this divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. This word demolish uh, literally speak, means destruction, requiring massive power. We, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, here's the phrase, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Here's the truth. If you don't capture your thoughts, they will hold you captive. So we all have this choice where we're all of the thoughts in our life these negative patterns of thoughts that then lead to, 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 to behaviors that aren't right or attitudes that aren't right or speech that isn't right. These, these, these thoughts in our mind, they will either hold us captive unless we choose to capture them. That's what Paul's saying as he says, we, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do we do that? How do we take thoughts captive. I'm going to tell you just a few quick things about this. And we're going to unpack all of this more over these next few weeks. How do we take thoughts captive? Here's the first truth. You can't capture what you can't see. You won't capture what you don't see. And so the problem with a lot of us is we've come to accept the, nor- the ways in which we think, where we're constantly thinking, um, thinking the worst about the future, or we're constantly thinking that, that we're unlovable, or we're constantly being harsh with those around us. We, we, we're constantly just thinking negative thoughts about everything and everyone, that we've come to accept that as normal. We've come to be like, well, that's just life. People talk bad about people. Well, it doesn't have to be like that. You have a choice. Well, it's just life. Everyone worries about their, their kids to where they feel a knot in their stomach. That's, that's just how it's supposed to be. Well, well Jesus said, don't worry. He said, birds don't worry, don't worry. It doesn't, but we have come to accept a substandard way of thinking as normative. And so we don't even see it as a problem, so therefore we don't deal with the problem. You're like, well, all of my life, I've just been, had all this, this fear, just constant, I've just always been scared, and that's just, it's just who I am. We've just, in the, if you're not on a stage at a church, you'd say, in many ways, when our thought lives, what we've done is we have steered into the suck, is what we've done. Giggle with me here, folks. We have steered into the suck where you're like, oh, it just sucks. It's always gonna suck. And now we're, just, we're gonna stop fighting it being sucky. And now we're just gonna be okay with just living a substandard life. We're not so religious, we can't say the word suck. That's how we are. If that turns you off, this is not the place for you. And so... Uh, but so we've just steered into the suck in our thought life. 
And we're like, well, I guess I'm always just gonna be fearful. And I guess I'm always just gonna be anxious. And gosh, my mom talked bad about people and was super judgy. I guess that's just what I'm gonna do. And so we've accepted as normal what, what is absolutely substandard. And so we don't even see it as a stronghold. We don't even see it as a problem. So there's no way that we can deal with it as a problem. And so you can't capture what you can't see. You can't solve a problem that you don't believe is a problem. And there's many ways in which we think that might be normal for most people, but it's not normal for a child of God filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not the normal way for us to live and to think. And, and so we, we've, we've got to recognize that we have some problems in our thought life that we've got some things, some strongholds, areas of our life where we've just fallen into the pattern of believing the enemy's lives to where those lies and associated behaviors that follow those false beliefs have taken power and root in our life. And so, so when you begin to have negative thoughts, to begin to take inventory of our thoughts, it's important to have some time. A lot of times we don't have enough margin in our life to think deeply enough. Sometimes it's just really great for me to go for a long walk or a long drive by myself where I just get enough space to, be, to begin to think about what I'm thinking about. What are you, what, just begin to think about what I'm thinking about. And so when, when thoughts that you're able to identify as these thoughts aren't God's best for me, these thoughts aren't bringing about the fruit of the Spirit, as I think these thoughts, am I, am I, am I feeling more loving? No, not really. As, I, as I'm thinking these thoughts, am I feeling more joyful? As I'm having these thoughts, am I feeling more peaceful? As I'm having these thoughts, am I, am I feeling more patient? Am I feeling more kind? If the answer, that's a great way to measure your thoughts. Take inventory. As I think about this, is my heart filled with love? Is my heart filled with joy? Is my heart filled with peace and patience, kindness, goodness? Uh, the, the, is my, is, are these good thoughts? Take inventory of your thoughts. Once you recognize that these are not good thoughts, here's some great questions to then ask as you think about your thoughts. Is this even real? Is this even real? Am I, am I making this a bigger thing than it is? Are these thoughts helpful? There's some things that, that, that might be technically true. It might be technically true that if I just sit around thinking, you know what, I think China and Russia would love to just combine their, their, all of their might and all of their forces and, and just cripple our, our economy and make it. And if I just start, I do think there's good odds China and Russia would love all that to happen. Do I think it's gonna happen in my lifetime? Probably not. But whether it is gonna happen or it's not gonna happen, me sitting around thinking about it happening doesn't change it at all. They're gonna do whatever they're gonna do and hopefully our government and there's an informed citizenry. Now I'm just talking about more than I wanted to talk about. But when you just sit around thinking about worst case scenario of things you have no power in and of yourself to fix, sure, take a minute and pray. Hey, God, we just pray for your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I'm moving on and all of my Russia, China paranoia, we're gonna just put aside because it's not helpful. Is this true? Is this even real? Is this helpful? Is my response reasonable? There are actual things in our life that, that, aren't, that, that, that need to be addressed, 
but sometimes they need to be addressed at a level three or a four, but I am passionate about it at a nine or a 10. And so stepping back and saying, is my response to this, is it the appropriate response or am I having some overly emotional um, response that's not helpful in it? And if the question is that, then, then dig in a little deeper. Well, why? What, why am I amping this up a little more than is needed? Here's another great question. Am I believing the worst about this person or this scenario? Am I believing the worst? You know, the Bible tells us love believes the best. The Bible tells us that, 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 that we should do our very best to, to, have, to believe in positive, that people have positive intent. Now, sometimes they don't, but it's better for me if I believe the best. Am I believing the best about this person or this situation? And then here's the last thing, and we're almost done. No, it's actually not the last thing, and we're, we're only about 60% done. So I'm gonna accelerate the last part of this message. Second, look to Jesus's example. Jesus's temptation is our model of capturing the enemy's lies. And what Jesus did is he captured them with the truth of scripture while being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see right before Jesus is, 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 is tempted, says he's, he's led to this place by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so Jesus is, is, is in the wilderness for the purpose of prayer and fasting, and, and, and he's, he's in touch, with, he's being led by the Holy Spirit, and then when these lies were told to him by the devil, he responded with, with truth, the truth of Scripture. And so when my thoughts go to worry, you, you could just pray, just a little prayer, where, where you're asking God to, to cause the truth, his truth, to be real for you. It could be as simple as, as when my thoughts go to worry. Holy Spirit, guide me into the truth that I don't need to worry because you care for me. When my thoughts go to anger and rage and bitterness, Holy Spirit, guide me into the truth. Because Jesus said that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into truth. And so in the moment when I begin to believe lies, I turn to the scripture, which is true, and I turn to the Holy Spirit to guide me into truth, to cause that truth to soak, soak deep into me. And so when my thoughts go to anger and rage and bitterness, Holy Spirit, guide me into the truth that whatever offense I'm carrying towards them, this person, my spouse, my friend, my boss, is nothing compared to, to my offenses that you have graciously forgiven me for, cause your grace to flow through me. When, when my thoughts go to worrying about what people think, Holy Spirit, guide me into the truth that your opinion is the one that matters and that you say that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You say that I am a new creation. You say that I am your son or daughter. We'll be talking about identity more in this series. When my thoughts go to scarcity, where I'm just fearful that I'm gonna have enough and I, and I don't live generously because I'm living in fear of not having enough. When my thoughts go to scarcity, Holy Spirit, guide me into the truth that you are my provider. When my thoughts go to lust for people and things, 
Holy Spirit, uh, guide me to the truth that only you can satisfy the longings of my heart that that person can't and that that possession can't. Only you can satisfy me. So, so when the lies begin to come, if we don't capture those thoughts, they will capture us and Jesus is our model who being led by the Holy Spirit in a time of prayer turned to scripture. And so when we identify those lies, we simply ask the Holy Spirit to cause the truth of scripture to come real, be, be alive and active in our lives. And here's our third thing and we're done. Our most important thoughts are our thoughts about God. Our most important thoughts are our thoughts about God. Second Corinthians 10, five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul says this, he says the, thought, the, the, the lies that we have to be most aware of coming at us, the, these arguments that are false, these false pretenses, the things that appear true but are actually not. The, the, he says the ones that we have to be most concerned with capturing and demolishing are the ones that rise themselves up against the knowledge of God. He said, what, what Paul here is saying is this. He, he says the most important thoughts we will ever think are our thoughts about God and the most dangerous lies that we can ever believe are lies about who God is is A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And there's a great many things that can mess up our God image and, and in, our, in, in the garden, the, the very first lie ever told from the devil to our first parents was questioning the very nature of God. So now the serpent, the devil, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? So the first thing the devil wants to do is to say, for you to ask, can I really trust God? He said, did God really say? You must not eat, for eat from any tree in the garden. What we see here, the devil's oldest trick is to say something that's almost true. Something that's almost true. In, and so he's trying to say, isn't, he's saying, God, didn't God tell you you can't have anything? He's trying to, to give our first parents this image of this God that's just holding out on them. This God that wants them to have nothing good. Maybe that's how you see God. Did God really say you can't eat to have anything? The woman said, no, we can. We can eat, and tr eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. And then again, the devil lying about God. You will not certainly die. One of the devil's biggest lies is that sin has no consequences, that you can live on your own terms, doing your own thing your whole entire life and that it'll never matter. He's telling that lie here. He says, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil, what the devil's there, there saying, saying, saying God doesn't love you, he doesn't want good things for you, he's holding out on you, you can't trust him. It's this lie that says that God can't be trusted. It's this lie that his intentions towards me are not good. And, and this is at the root of every sin. Because when, when we believe that God is trustworthy, if God is trustworthy and his intentions are for my flourishing, if, I, if God's trustworthy and that he actually wants good for me, that his intentions are 
good for me, then it just absolutely makes sense to live life on God's terms. But if God can't be trusted, and if he ultimately is holding out on me and doesn't want good things for me, then it makes sense for me to, to disregard everything he says. And so it really is this, the devil's been telling this lie ever since our first parents. You can't trust him. He doesn't want good things for you. He doesn't love you. He's trying to hold out on you. It's the biggest lie ever. And so really this, our, our, our thoughts about God, who is he? Can he be trusted? What is his heart towards us are the most important thoughts we can ever think. And here's the good truth. The cross answers all the questions. See, the cross shows us so much about God's character. The, the, the cross shows us that, see, the, 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 that God is for us, that he, that he loves us. The Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love for us. See, what the cross shows us, it shows us so much about God's character. It shows us that he's, he's a holy, just God who's not just gonna turn a blind eye to, to all uh, uh, sin and everything wrong and broken in the world. It says that he's a holy God, but it also says that he's a loving God instead of the punishment coming to us who have earned it and deserve it. He says, I'm gonna take it on myself. That, that's why Paul, Paul says, why would, that's why Paul says Romans 8, 32, talking about, he says, he who did not spare his own son, will he not graciously give us all things? See, the cross says God is holy, but the cross also says that God is loving and merciful and compassionate and gracious and that he wants good things for us. That's his heart towards us. We can trust him. He wants good things for us to the point where he took our bad upon himself to give us all of the good of him. It really answers the question of, well, how do I see God? Because my most important thoughts are my thoughts about God. Will I see God through the lens of the cross? That he is holy and takes sin seriously, but that he is loving and gracious and merciful so that he took my punishment or your punishment upon himself. He's loving, he's gracious, he's merciful, that I might be adopted into his family. He is a loving father. You might've had a deadbeat dad or, or not known your dad or an emotionally distant dad or an almost perfect dad. But no matter who your dad was, there's a perfect, perfect father. And so that's what the cross shows us, that he's a perfect father with good intentions towards us, so good that he took everything that we've ever done upon himself. So the bottom line is this, our thoughts matter. They, they define who we are. They direct where we're going. And, and, and negative thoughts and lies from the enemy, they're either going to capture us if we don't capture them. We, we capture them by identifying that they exist we capture them by, by, by thinking deeply about our thoughts. Is this even true? Am I responding appropriately to this? Am I believing the best? We capture our thoughts by, by the power of the Holy Spirit and scripture and prayer, asking the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth that we would help us not to believe the lies, but to believe the truth of scripture in our lives. So let's pray. So Father, Lord, we just confess, all of us, that when it comes to our thoughts, we're a mess. 
And we just confess that between the time we think in negative thoughts and between the time we think thoughts of worry and anxiety, between the thought time we spend, spend judging and thinking poorly of other people that you've created in your image and that Jesus died for, between that time we spend thinking about bad about others and the bad things that might happen, and between the time we think we spend questioning if, if, if we're even worthy of love or if our life even matters, that so much of what's going on in our minds and in our hearts isn't your best for us. Lord, I pray that these coming weeks that you'd take us on a time of, of a real renewal of our minds, renewal of our hearts. And Lord, we just confess the thoughts we think about you are the most important ones we have. And so Lord, I pray that when we think about you, we would think about you through the lens of the cross that demonstrates your love for us, that demonstrates your heart towards us, that demonstrates your intentions towards us, and that we'd, that we'd look at you through the lens of the resurrection where you have overcome our greatest fears and our greatest enemies. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.